Hello everybody It's 40k lore time And we're gonna learn about things And waste all your time Hi, so welcome back to Foxtrot Battleline I'm here with Corey He'll say hi in a second I just kind of want to explain sort of what we're doing tonight So typically when we record uh, Corey and I will pick a topic and then we extensively take notes and um, research and make kind of a format for our episodes so you guys have more of a structured view of the content. So we're going to start a series and actually, Corey, I forget what we settled on for the title. What was it? (laughs) The title we came up with today was... Off the Imperial Record. Ah, yes. Off the Imperial Record. So for, these episodes are going to be not structured. In fact, Cor- I didn't take any notes besides ones I would use personally on our topic tonight. And I told Corey to do the same, although I think he didn't listen a little bit. <laughs> but um, so the whole point of these is just to, you know, really just have a discussion Um on our topic and in the future we would really love um for our listeners or people some people our listeners know to come on and sort of you know just have a free-for-all about certain topics in 40k or gaming in general anything really so um that being said you know email us at um foxtrotbattleline at gmail.com <laughs> and um you know follow us at foxtrotbattleline5198 our um instagram handle and uh you can also check us out soon on foxtrotbattleline.com also i just wanted to briefly plug because we haven't been doing it so foxtrot battle line is associated with a great studio in shelton connecticut um royal fox studios um lou who's on here periodically um runs that ceo and so it's a great place um if you're local and you're thinking about starting a podcast episode go check it out it's a really quaint space and just feels like a second home almost immediately so um yeah so that's my plug um so tonight we're just going to be doing a free for all kind of discussion around ninth um edition the core rules were leaked uh, about a week ago now so you know um also you know just to mention briefly before we move into our topic um these episodes um also i think it'd be fun Corey, if we just say kind of you know the drink of tonight we're drinking during these episodes <laughs> a little bit so um you know i i'm drinking tonight a uh, rogue spirits the dead guy whiskey it's um got a stephen burke oh shit my last name <laughs> it's got a stephen rating of um i don't know probably b plus i guess and Corey. <laughs> tonight i am drinking a homemade cocktail that i made myself it is a tequila bottle that i forgot what brand it is because the name rubbed off the side <laughs> there's a scorpion in it mixed with uh pomegranate schweppes and some black tea i had in the fridge oh nice i don't love the yeah i don't love the taste of alcohol so i try to mix it up as much as i can um yeah. right. i also haven't drank much since 
quarantine, like one, month one of quarantine, we drank way too much and we were drinking at like one o'clock in the afternoon. So we <laughs> cut it off in the last month. So I had to like find the bottles today. I was like, babe, where, where did we hide the bottles? <laughs> you hear them from yourself. Reach up to the top shelf. Yeah. That's so that's my drink awesome. of the day. It feels fruity. It feels great. And I, I feel good drinking it. Yeah. Well, I'm a whiskey scotch <laughs> guy. So yeah, I always, that's my go-to. So, um, Plus, I'm okay. literally the only member of my family besides my little sister. And I have an older brother, little sister, parents, yada, yada. I'm the only one who could drink tequila besides my little sister. And every other member of my family just has the worst reactions in the world. Oh, like really? people have been thrown out of the house. People have woken up in bushes. <laughs> Me and my sister are the only people who can drink it and have like really good reactions. So that's what I drink mostly to rub it in their faces. Yeah, that was a common thing in college. I heard like the tequila drunk just like made people angry. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't understand it. Yeah, it's such a happy drunk for me. Yeah, that you know everyone's got their alcohol choice. Um, mine's always been well in college. It was whiskey, and then it graduated to kind of scotches in the past couple of years. So uh, my college drink of choice was uh, grapes. Have you ever drank Graves? Grapes? <laughs> Graves. G-R-A-V-E-S. No. Graves. It's, uh, it is just pure alcohol. It's grain alcohol. Ah, uh, yeah. There were two drinks I drank in college, and that was besides rugby stuff, because I was part of the rugby team, so we drank a lot of beer. But mm-hmm. I had no money, because I didn't work in college like a bum. Well, so all I bought was... Kind of common. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all I bought was a giant bottle of Graves uh, hard grain alcohol, which is like... Oh, wow. Insane proof. And Everclear. it would cost me like, it like Everclear. It's basically Everclear. Okay. It's, it'll take the paint off of your car. It was <laughs> or a your bottle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should try that actually. I just yeah. did that. Um, but I bet you the graves would work better. It would be $20. It would last me an entire semester. Cause I could only drink like a cup at a time. Oh, and I was wow. good. It was that. And then I'd buy like forties, like 40 ounces. Yeah. Cause they yeah, cost yeah. like two bucks and they would get Where'd you. Where'd you go to school? Drunk. I went to the beautiful college of Quinnipiac University oh, in Hampton, Connecticut. Because okay. um, yeah. I'm just thinking about alcohol laws. I went to school in Massachusetts, so um, it was a little bit different. But like we would go out and buy like you know 30 racks of beer for parties on the weekends and stuff. I don't know we if they were, sell that in Connecticut. They sell 30 racks. They sell 30 racks. I played a lot of rugby and like the big thing with rugby is you drink and you drink after games. So when everyone has a concussion and everyone's like seeing (laughs) double the whole thing, (laughs) super healthy, you get together with the opposing team and you have beers with them after the game and whoever's hosting them, you have to go to their house and drink with them. So we always had kegs and like I got to senior year and realized my tolerance was all screwed up because I was (laughs) drinking like every day. So I had to like move to harder alcohol and then... (laughs) As I got out of college and stopped drinking so much, I realized like how high tolerance I had. And it was, right, yeah. It was a hard thing to fight. But now I can get drunk off like college. two beers. Oh, yeah, yeah. My tolerance, yeah. yeah. When you are approaching or hit 30, um, it, it drops. <laughs> you just start to care. I think at least you start to care about your health. But, you know, that's neither here nor there, I guess. Um <laughs> Come join us, and you can talk about alcohol with us. And but we are going to move into some some forty k now. So, 
Um, I guess first, the first thing that pops into my head, because I literally just have the rules in front of me and <laughs> it feels a little empty, to be honest. <laughs> like, usually I'm sitting here taking notes um, with a outline. But <laughs> um, I just want to note, I want to note that you pointed out that I broke that rule we made where we wouldn't keep notes. Yeah. And I'm, I, I don't understand things unless I go rewrite them and like process it. Like when I play like D and D and someone just throws at me like information, I need like a minute to walk away and absorb it. Yeah. And I, so I'm like sitting here like a little defensive, like, man, I, I kept my notes and then I realized I have 18 pages of notes. Oh my. And I, <laughs> when I, I told you to take none. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so we're going off the cuff with my 18 pages of notes. Today. Yeah, just throw them out. We're just going to talk, you know. So the first thing I uh, haven't, I've actually, so earlier today I texted Corey an article and I've been so stoked to talk about it. We I actually prevented myself about talking about it with him uh, offline because I think it's very cool. So um, I'll just explain a little bit of the context. Um there was some page from the new rule book that was leaked. Um, and it's in, it's not about the rules. It's in kind of the section before the rules where they explain what's going on in the galaxy. And, um, it's a, so it's a little bit of lore and it has to do with something very interesting, which is the Eldar uniting against a common threat. So I guess just to, um, uh, I guess we'll just ruin it. So basically the Eldar um, protect this. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I don't know what else to do, but uh, we'll just ruin it for everybody. Uh, so the Eldar in the, in this page that was leaked are prote- coming together like Drukari, uh, Kra- well, at least Crimson, the Raiders, um, not all of Drukari, but um, the Raiders, uh, some of the Raiders, um, Craft Worlds, Harlequins, are coming together to protect this race that I guess they had been watching over. And now I don't know if they're some kind of Eldar, like a, I I didn't get the impression they were an Exodite um, species, but um, because it said they were like some kind of other Xenos, which, you know, (laughs) you know, so, um, but the Eldar come together and the, the Exodites because the system that's being attacked is uh, full of Exodite planets. So they're all coming together to fight off this Tyranid invasion. And here's the, and Corey, here's the really awesome part. (laughs) So the reason why it's so important for them to fight this off is because this species that they're, they've been protecting has some kind of gene distortion where they can manipulate time (laughs) so um they're all uniting under this one banner to fight off the tyranids from accumulating that biomass because they realize if the tyranids get a hold of time travel then i don't know all bets are off probably or here's and i guess we'll open it up now i don't know i see the dark angels in a primark release maybe coming into play from this <laughs> so, the tyranids that's what you see from this if the tyranids beat the eldar in some kind of campaign book that'll be released later who else has the ability to stop them in the universe 
I would say the Blood Angels, but we had have no real... access to time travel. <laughs> oh, oh, so you mean like jumping in time? Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I had like, my mind wrapped around trying to find a fun word for timonids. Time, but <laughs> that's literally the best I came up with time today. Time traveling tyrannids, the TT timonids. <laughs> Me and my wife have this fun game where if we find something that's too many words, we have to cut it down to something like that. Mm. Like if you say something in too many words, we're gonna make fun of you and then make a better word that you could have used. So timonids is what I'm going with for right now. Well. I mean, I just think Timonids is uh, a terrible name. <laughs> so maybe rework that that one, you know? I mean, if I talk to Games Workshop and they buy it, we'll, we'll then see. I'm wrong, I guess, right? <laughs> well, no, they have to buy it first, though. So you could be right for the time being. <laughs> All right. So, again, super exciting, I think, with that news. Um, I'm so stoked that two xenos factions that i actually play um (laughs) are now warring against each other yeah you forgot i play them both (laughs) no it's not even that it's just the fact that okay so so much of warhammer is and i made this joke earlier today to you is like it's doesn't matter unless the space marines are fighting them right you know like it was tyranids back seventh and all that it was it was chaos during vigilus like it's whoever you're fighting the space marines is important i didn't realize this is an entire campaign that has nothing to do with the empire finally right i mean a little bit of love for the fact i mean there's tons of other um you know species out there (laughs) like it's about time um that they finally kind of It'd be interesting to see if the Tau get like a little brother they can pick on. Yeah. Um, or someone who fights back against their expansion. No, seriously. Yeah. Like a local world in their system that's like, fuck this. <laughs> or the Crute rebel. Good for them. <laughs> oh, man. A lot of people love the Crute. I do. I do. I actually am a big fan of them. They're kind of like the Tyranids. You know, they eat Are they? and then adapt. Yeah, almost very similar. Um, back when I was playing as a kid, um, the Crute um, were a lot more popular, I want to say. They were a lot more runnable with Tau. So you saw a lot of, like, straight Crute lists even, um, which is pretty cool. You don't see that anymore. But... Um, so um let's that's one thing about ninth um you want to start talking about maybe some things uh i was gonna say how do you want to yeah go on go on yeah so Corey and i read through the rules um i'm still i'm personally still kind of uh absorbing them i actually have a game coming up this weekend i just went on to like a local facebook group and it's like i want to play ninth or try to (laughs) so um i have a game coming up over the weekend to kind of play test some of this shit so um it'll be very interest interesting to see uh how it goes and I just hope it's a good, it's a random person, you know? So like, I just hope it's a oh, that's nice. good opponent. Yeah. There's a lot of groups out there for every area of the country that you can kind of just be like, Hey, I'm looking for a game at this shop, you know, anyone local. And 
people typically are always want to play so yeah we have one like that in brooklyn and it took me a long time to even join it because it was one of those like all these guys are good i don't want to show up and not know the rules Hmm. so it took me a while to get used to that oh right now you can can just call out like that yeah and right now is a perfect time because no one's really good right now you know everyone's yeah. still kind of reading the rules understanding what's going on and no one's going to be like you know packing a super heavy meta list that just destroys you so <laughs> now's the time for like that one person who's never played the game to pick up the list pick up the rules and just be like you know this would be cool and then it absolutely destroys people by accident yeah, yeah, get yeah real mad. just complete luck <laughs> yeah. oh i thought these terminators look cool turns out they're really good i don't think that'll be the case unless their points go down but all i know uh, is i built a flamer tank before this even happened uh, with nothing uh, but just flamers all over it the flamestorm oh, cannon twin flamers on the side and i was like man this is never gonna work in my list but it looks so cool and i'm gonna be so stoked to have it and then i read those new rules and i was like well, i can't wait which, let's uh draw it back to that i guess so where are those rules and can we read them so and this is the better part of my day if you go to the warhammer community website they release a what i call a primer it's a set of rules the core rules for ninth edition mm-hmm if you go on the website, you can click on it. They, they release a whole PDF. It's 26 and that's pages long. Corey and I are basing a lot of this conversation off of just FYI. Yeah. I spent a good, healthy, healthy, healthy six hours today. Maybe more just going through and noting everything in this rule. Are you book a slow <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> no, it's not even, it's, I could read it quickly and I can get through it, but I, I need to, uh, I need to absorb it and know that I understand what I read or else I feel like I did, there's no point in reading. And I'm one of the people who hates, like I'm, I'm a dungeon master. So when someone asks me a question, I don't have an answer. I get really uncomfortable. It's the same thing on film sets. If someone asks me like, where's that lens? And I don't know where it is. I get like really, really, really uncomfortable. I really don't like it. So I've done that on the show a few times too. So yeah, I see it. Yeah. But it's so. it's just that moment. It just it drives me nuts. So I, I literally went through today, and I what I found after six hours of going through this this PDF is the fact that there's literally like there's like five rules in here that are not eighth edition rules, and that's it. So I literally just noted every single rule that was or there's every rule that was like eighth edition. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool. I guess like this will you got to s- dig for some of it this will start a debate. Um, I think there's a lot of little things that are going. Yes. It's very similar to eighth. In fact, I like that about it. However, I do think these little things completely change how armies work. Like completely. Oh, 100%. 100%. And every time I saw one pop up, there was like a moment of like me sighing across the room, like a happy (laughs) sigh. Like, Oh, that's cool. (laughs) that's fantastic yeah there was a lot of me thinking about armies and going oh shit that's not gonna be good anymore (laughs) what's what's like the what rule do you think you popped up on reading through that most made you say that uh well depends on the army but the blast rule for tyranids man they get fucked Um, oh man just absolutely fucked 
Um, cause you're not going to run squads of like 10 hormogons, you know what I mean? So you can't really ad- adjust that army except if you do like a, what's called a Nidzilla list where you just pack all the big monsters and maybe, you know what? Rethinking about that warrior lists might now be much more of a thing. Yeah. So, uh, it'll be different. Um, which sucks because I just bought like, I don't know, 150 gaunts. <laughs> so, um, but, it's like everything I thought that hordes were going to be when I first bought Tyranids. It's a little out the window. Yeah. But also, it's crazy because they have that whole new Overwatch thing where you have to like spend a CP to do it. Yeah. But, and so like on one end, hordes are going to do well. But on the other end, no. there's so much against them. The there's so much against them. Um, the blast rule itself is just. So for those who don't know the blast rule, if you're listening in, it's uh, basically when you you attack with a blast weapon, like a grenade or so, you get a minimum three attacks against units with six plus models. So if you have a unit with more than six guys in it, and you have a grenade where you have to roll a d6 to find out what how many attacks you get no matter what you have to have a minimum three so if you roll a one you automatically have three so that's that's actually three to nine get that yeah and then once you get to it said 11 plus you get automatically the maximum number so you automatically get six attacks if it's yeah if it's a d6 blast weapon and keep in mind they haven't released which you can kind of guess but they haven't officially released which weapons are blast. Um, I'm kind of curious about that too, because um, I bet there will be some weapons out there that you think are blast that they'll rewrite to like heavy three or heavy four or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking hopefully the Lehman Russ battle cannon doesn't get the blast rule. That just seems and if it does, I hope they increase the points of that tank by like a hundred, because they're already like too good. <laughs> I'm kind of wondering about things like the uh, like the Necron Doomsday Arc, and I wonder if that changes their rules at all. Yeah, um, that's I think, basically the one where it, uh, you get like a random number of shots and a random number of damage, and you have to roll for it. So you can either do like six shots and like six damage per shot, or you can do one and one. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see. But um, I guess let's look up that flamer rule. Let's get back to that just because we went <laughs> off topic a little bit. But oh, let's find yeah. that. Do you know what? So down, go on gwcommunity.com and download this rules primer. You'll have access to, I'm sure almost everyone who's listening has probably done that. But in case you haven't go there and download it for free. Uh, the rule books release two weeks from Saturday. So in two week, two and a half weeks about, um, and FYI, cause GW isn't really advertising this. You don't have to buy the Indominus set to get the rule book. You can just on the same day that it's released July 25th, you can go out and you can get the rule book by itself. Um, so if you don't need those models, 
don't worry about it. Uh, or if you're waiting for them to come out in uh, individual boxes, just go buy the rule book. Um, save some money. <laughs> yeah. That was one that like drove me crazy because at first I thought that it was coming out later. And I was like, yeah. it's a little elitist. You know, like just to let some people get the boxes and can play the game right away. But we yeah. don't get all the rules. But that's not the truth. So. Right. They just it's kind of crazy. Like, I understand, like, making money as a business but advertise the fact that you can buy it separately. Like, come on. <laughs> that should almost be front page. That should be like yeah. rule book coming out here. Also, there's a box set with these cool new models. So, um, which is quote unquote, not a starter set and you don't need to have it. And it's, it's, uh, limited. Yeah. I mean, I want the bikes and <laughs> the, um, the elite dudes, um, the close combat guys mm-hmm. with the shield. I want those uh, eventually, but I don't need them, you know? <laughs> I'm caught in that place where, A, I look through the box and I'm looking at every model. I'm like, well, I don't need that guy. Or like, I know I need this guy. And then by the time I get to the end of the list, I'm like, I've almost hit every model, including the Necron ones that I don't <laughs> Oh, wait, I wanted need. to start Necrons? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. It's like, oh, you know what? But they do look pretty freaking cool. Yeah, I do that. They are cool. So it's already a trap. And then on the other end, I'm like, man, I don't, I got a list and I'd like to play my list before I worry about these things. But yeah, well, we don't even know any good at it. We have no idea what our lists are going to look like, you know? Oh yeah. Um, so that's, well, that's the other thing. So they're releasing a list builder app. Yeah. As well. Well, We don't know. We don't know if it'll have that functionality in it. True. Yeah. True. 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 They are releasing an app. (laughs) That's all we know so far. I hope it becomes like Battlescribe. I yeah. hope. Because um, it'd be so much nicer to just go to GW, a GW app for like all your Warhammer 40k stuff. So um, I hope. I think the only worry I would have about it being a Battlescribe is where they might monetize things. Monetize mm-hmm. things like... Having like, access... Uh, yeah, like D&D Beyond, where you can't read a lot of the stuff unless you pay for yeah. different books. So, like, maybe I can't take the correct points for Psychic Awakening if I don't buy the Psychic Awakening book on the app. That's actually a really good point. Um, because how many times have you gone without buying any models or the codex to Battlescribe and just constructed a roster, like a theoretical roster of something you are only slightly interested in playing you know (laughs) yeah so i see that but yeah hopefully they don't um at least for that function i mean maybe they just block out some rules or something i don't know how they do that but um like there should be an advantage to buying an active you know codex so if you're playing you know blood angels you should have everything once you buy the codex. However, you know, maybe you can preview units or something. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Battle scribe will still exist. So <laughs> yeah, there'll still be those third parties doing it. Yeah. Um, so we were talking about my ball predator ball, mm, bow flamers. Uh, yeah. So it's got twin flamers. It's got a flame storm cannon. And the great thing about flamers is that they are auto hits and the reason why that's exciting in this new edition coming out is because they released a rule that everyone is stoked on called big guns never tire. And that's the rule you thought, thought of too, right? 
we be yeah. on the same page on that? Uh-huh. Uh, what is what page is that on in the primer? On the primer, I'm not exactly sure. It's in my notes. I could look it up for you in one second. But basically, no, the actual rule just says that vehicles and monsters in combat, which is actually... I'll come back to that in a second. But vehicles and monsters that are locked inside combat basically get the pistol rules where they can fire into their own combat right. now. So you can no okay. longer just lock a tank up and he can't shoot and he can't do anything. If you are a horde and you're wrapping up on the tank, he can now blow you to bits and I make his own it, exit. By the way. Um, awesome. So page 16 in the primer for those of you who have it. And it is a minus one to hit. If you do that also just noting, um, but that's great. I mean, you know, a hive tyrant with a venom cannon can fire their venom cannon in, in close combat. So, mm-hmm. um, and that's a, you know, strength nine weapon. <laughs> so, um, again, that's why I'm stoked because it's negative one to hit, but, uh, flamestorm cannons auto hit. Yeah. Oh, so I don't even have to worry oh, about the drawbacks. Yeah. I'm just going to clear cut. Dude, it took me a moment. <laughs> um, shit. Yeah. Now I remember why I was like, I need more flamers. <laughs> If there's anybody on here who's going to play against me and wants to steal this awesome strategy that I have built, please don't do it. It's for me. What is that? that so awesome if anyone strategy? wants to steal my strategy, no, what is just, the strategy? Uh, oh, just taking a lot of flamers. It's not oh. a good strategy. It's not. Everyone's going to steal that. <laughs> no, it's it's not anything unique. Um, unless I trademark it before we be get there. For that, FYI, then Blue that would Angels. be cool to see. Yeah. Um, and they have a like free reroll for flamers salamanders i think so um i just watched a battle report on salamanders that's why they're kind of like fresh in my mind so but that's a great cool rule um which goes in uh conjunction with the blast rule which uh you can't fire blast weapons into close combat so but however, if you, you know, if you're a Lumen Russ, for say, um, and you have your battle cannon, which assuming it's going to be blast, you can blast that. But when someone charges you, you can fire with like your sponson weapons. So you can fire heavy bolters into combat or last cannons, you know, <laughs> so Man, or plasma. Can you imagine like having the balls to like wrap up a repulsor tank in this oh, situation? God. So it's cool that you're going to put all of your guys right next to me, but now I'm going to get all of these 40 shots on all of you. Dude, it's such a deterrent. The blasts and big guns never tire rules against oh, yeah. charging tanks aimlessly. I will never again charge a squad of 30 gaunts into a fucking like Lehman Russ. <laughs> I was like just starting to lean into the idea with my death guard of being able to bubble wrap the entire field with like pox walkers. And now <laughs> it, anymore. It, all once, it's just gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can do it. It's just not going to work the same way, which is interesting to see. Cause it's like, how do we get back to the bubble wrap days while working these rules? Not in ninth. Man, um, it'll not. be different, different tactics. You'll have to, I think those two rules kind of open up um, a more strategic style of play. Like you can't just 
you know, keep a unit busy so it can't do anything. So you have to think about um, some of the questions like, how do you destroy that effectively? How do you minimize its damage output? Um, And I think that's going to be very cool. Um, I think it's going to take a different kind of mind to play ninth than eighth Mm -hmm. Um, and a different mindset. And so I think you might see some players who weren't as successful in eighth start becoming more in ninth or vice versa. So um, I feel like the big, when I got into it, when I first started playing Warhammer, the big knock on Warhammer was that it wasn't war machine and war machine. I mean, has not lived up to where it should be, but mm -hmm. the big thing was that Warhammer didn't have the rule sets that war machine did. Like they were real game makers doing like a real great job at making great rules right and then eighth edition dropped and eighth edition got them close to that mm-hmm. where it was like all right now it's a good game like everyone can play it and then they figured out the rules and it worked through and it feels like ninth edition is them stepping on the pedestal of being like yeah. now we're a really good game like well, i said it to you the other day before we made our rule that we wouldn't talk anymore <laughs> um, so that we'd have shit Silence. to talk about today <laughs> yeah because both of us are just like stopping our thumbs to text each other like oh right. but what about this but now I was too. Out. I was like sitting on them, you know. <laughs> I read the blast rule and I almost went crazy. I was like, oh, "How am I supposed to talk? I can't." Okay, okay, I'll just write it down. <laughs> Did you tell your wife? Oh, honey, <laughs> you're gonna you'll never, you never I, guess I, what I, weapons can do. <laughs> she's a saint. She's really good because I did do that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she gets into it. Maybe if you talk enough. I mean, she loves board games. She might. I think I think in time, she'll at yeah. least try it once. I don't know if she'll love it because there's a certain level to it that yeah. I don't know that she'll get to. But so well, basically, the big thing is that the uh, studio. But, you know, maybe yeah. we'll, our whole goal here for our listeners, we're going to get Corey's wife into 40K. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag make Rachel play 40K. <laughs> um, but back to the topic yeah yeah so it feels more and the word i use and i retracted it because it's it's if we can come up with a better word i'd love it but it was it feels more gamey yeah and i think the way i'm rethinking it now that i'm saying out loud is it feels more like a sport you know like there's Mm -hmm. it's not so much about how many models you bought you know it's not so much about how much money you spent to build the better list it's more of you now have to figure things out on a different angle and a different thing like the right the whole secondary objective system kind of adds in this, you're calling different plays now. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have much more control on how you're going to score and how game you're going to game plays. too. you know, game over a game. So it's not the same. There's just so many extra layers onto it with the strategies that are going on where it's not just if you miss put your, if you put your guys in the wrong place on the deployment, the game's over right. or if well, you have coverage, the game's over. Happen, but. It could happen, but I feel like they minimized it. Yeah. And I also think on that same note, um, trying to capture what you're saying, it's a lot more. So it's a lot less sitting in craft hammering, so to speak. So it's a lot less sitting there and being like, how can I stack all these units to do the maximum amount of like theory crafting is what it's called. It's you can do that. Sure. But it's so much more about the 3D actual board. So, you know, there's two parts to playing the game. 
there's, or three. So there's knowing the missions. That's just kind of a one you learn through experience. And then there's the other major two, what you do on the board, including deployment and uh, who you take as reserves and how you move your units. That's all kind of incorporated in there. And there's list building. I think it's shifted. F- well, you're still going to have to be decent at list building to do okay. But I think it's shifted a lot from the behind the scenes kind of theory building, theory crafting or list building more into like, well, you can make the best list possible, but how the fuck are you going to play it? You know? I feel like there was a, a specter in 8th edition where it was like sometimes games were over before. Mm-hmm. you yeah. even hit the table yeah. and i think they've taken a lot of steps to minimize that in a lot of their rules where your army's going to play the way you want them to play you have all these different objectives you can get if i go up against a knit army there's a whole objective you can do where the more people you kill every guy you kill you oh, get yeah. points for it i've seen like every it's not even <laughs> units it's, it's models so if you come but, in with like a unit of 20 guys you know on that same point Corey, too at the same time where you're kill you know your maybe your secondary objective is to kill as many people as possible mine could be playing defensively where i'm trying to keep as many as possible and that uh it, the more i do the more victory points i score so by preventing you from so it's kind of you know you can come like oppose your opponent's yeah. strategies um, and that's where it becomes more of a sport for me yeah i was talking this out before it, it's you're calling plays now like yeah. if you think stratagems are plays, that's fine. Football, but like the, definitely, yeah. But like the primary objectives and the secondary objectives have now become play calling as well. It's like, what do my guys do well? How do I play into that? And how do I put my models in the best position? And who am I playing win? against? And how can I use my army more effectively to score these points against this specific opponent? It's when you think of all of these implications and you think of everything you now have to think about, it's, it's more exciting. <laughs> yeah. For, for me, it's more exciting than it is daunting. Cause it's like, yeah. there's a whole extra level of the chessboard now that I have to yeah. think about. There are already four before in this game. Now there's like another one. Yeah, absolutely. And it's very, you know, I say it's overwhelming, but it's also cause I haven't played a game. Once I play a game, I think it'll be all right. But Oh yeah. Um, it's cool. These nuance, yeah. and I think out of everything, maybe the core rules haven't changed too much, but the missions absolutely have. Uh, well, that's what drove me crazy today. When like I was like, "Man, I'm just so angry," and you're like, "Why are you angry?" I'm like, "We can't talk about it because mm. I spent six hours going through this core rule book, and none of the cool stuff is in it." Right. You know, yeah. You have to dig for a lot of it, and there's a lot there that you, if you put the work in and you scratch your head and you read through it you'll you'll see a nugget pop up and you're like that's really cool that's not a a thing that was there before but there's nothing blatant but when you get yeah. to missions and stuff everything is different and uh roster building like uh, command points. oh yeah so um very different um so here's a question too that i wanted to talk to you about uh or more common i guess how clearly written were these rules like holy shit honestly (laughs) um you read through them and you know you can comment on this too but like you read through them and you're like wow i have no questions that makes total sense (laughs) 
they they even like foolproofed their own clear explanations right. by adding bullet points to everything. And they had examples that were very clear cut, very to the point, and very clear. I, w- I was like, this is the first Warhammer rulebook where I didn't like scratch my head and go, what? <laughs> you know? Well, they also did this crazy thing that I noticed as I was reading through the rules where everything, like every part of the game now, has a name. There's no yeah. gray area to anything they've written. Like, they changed being locked in combat to like the engagement zone yep. engagement range. So like you have that range now where it's a, it's a thing or they have a new, they added a whole new phase to the game where it's now the command phase. So it's no longer like at the beginning of your next turn, you get this. It's no during the command phase. Like there's no gray area of when that happens. Right. Yeah. You know exactly when you're supposed to do something and yeah. what to call it, which is, yeah huge um huge that's a huge change from eighth in terms of the clarity of the content um when i first read the eighth rule book uh and i don't want to even talk about earlier editions <laughs> because they're even worse but when i first read the eighth rule book and i have i was coming back to the game after a you know a pretty long hiatus and i remember just being like what the hell does that mean <laughs> you know yeah um that could mean anything. Yeah, or or nothing. <laughs> I think there's certain players in the meta of 8th edition that ran with that. And that's why there's a lot of players who were really good at it. Because they were like, well, they were vague about that. So I can do this, right. this, and this. A lot of that came into play with like the fly rule and charging mm. and slam captains. Or I'm thinking of a specific example that they um, specifically tried to cover in ninth. The whole vertical versus horizontal distance thing. Oh, so, man, it's everywhere in the, in the rule book now. Well, it's so vague in eighth, it doesn't make any sense. So, like, well, I think Reddit made half their money on how vague eighth edition was. Yeah, maybe. And yeah, well, there's just so it's many not even Reddit, the worst like, edition. Lists. If you played six or yeah. seven, <laughs> they're bad. So, I was but, born in a blessed time, my friend. Yeah. No, seriously, <laughs> this is a great, I was just, so for our listeners, um, we have a buddy, a mutual buddy who's, um, thinking about getting into the hobby, like pretty heavily. And, um, I was just talking the other day about how ninth. So everyone thought, yeah, eighth, great. It's a great time to get in. And it was, don't get me wrong. I think ninth season, even better. Like this is a great time to be part of this game. Um, the game mechanics are just so clear like yeah it's shocking especially because it's coming from and i don't like to be negative but games workshops past has been not so great so it's 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 so good to there's a very clear sorry to cut you off i apologize go ahead yeah there's a very clear voice change in this edition where you see it coming from seventh to now the change it's it's changed yeah and at eighth, I think we're going to look back at eighth and think of it more as like the game hitting puberty, so to speak, and coming into its its own. Exactly. And, exactly. Um, that was it's about fucking time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was talking to I was talking to my my Warhammer son. His name is Tom. Uh, he works with me and I pulled him out of obscurity and taught him how to play Warhammer 
Mm. And now he spent all of his money on Adeptus Custodes. He spent like a grand in like a week. And mm. we were talking list building because he hadn't, hadn't read any of the rules. And I was like, no. I guess his big problem was that he couldn't buy enough models to fill other detachments to get CP. Like he had enough for points, but he couldn't spread it out enough to get what he wanted to do. And I, I was talking to him today as right. I was reading the rules, and it's just doesn't matter. It's doesn't matter. That's not the game anymore. The you more detachments you have, the harder it is for you, and you have to learn how to balance that resource. Mm-hmm. So now he's king of the mountain because he fits neatly into one detachment where he can get in for free without it costing him anything. And let's and I, go over that quickly. Yeah. Since you're talking about it. So right now, um, the rule, at least from what we know from GW without having the rule book in hand is that, um, you start with 12, um, when you're building your list, 12 command points and a battalion costs three so if you had 12 and then you subtract three you'd start with nine with a battalion however any detachment that has your warlord is free so from what i'm seeing a lot of people are i think we're just going to see straight battalions in you know two thousand point games well that's the big thing is like he fits you're going to get one battalion in there and it, it, that's how a lot of them work and like adeptus can work that way but if you think about it from a voice perspective of gw the way eighth worked where you needed to just fill detachments fill detachments fill detachments i've got a whole bunch of scouts, scouts. that i'm never going to use again <laughs> yeah because i don't need to just fill a fucking detachment yeah and that that plays into gw's hand eighth edition wise because it was like oh you need to fill detachments come buy more models let us right. make more money and now all of a sudden they're like, no, we don't want you doing that anymore. We want you to play the best game you can play yeah. and make it feel like your team and your army works the way that it makes you happy. Mm-hmm. And Even it's, if you it's don't one win. of those. Yeah. It's not about money anymore for them. It feels well, like it feels very much. It, there's, it's always going to be about yeah, money. No, but it's I, not, I see what you're saying though. Like that shift in the company culture, like they'd rather have a, like they're already, you know, and, this makes sense. Like they're already number one in the hobby space, especially for maybe not the whole hobby space, but you know, it's D and D it's magic, the gathering and it's games workshop. Those are the three behemoths in the space. Um, so it's about time that they say, Hey, we're making enough money. Why don't we actually think about how this fucking game plays, (laughs) you know? Um, and I feel like they'll recoup a lot of that money on the back end. Like if the Dude, game works well and tournaments right. go well and they get a hand in that, then if the game they works that well, there. they're going to attract more people. It's just that, you know, it's a basic kind of like video game marketing tenant. If your game yeah. is awesome, you're going to attract people. It's not the other way around. If your models are on, like they're, comp- they are, they're doing, so it's seventh edition, sixth, seventh the company was kind of concentrated on well we're a modeling company oh but you yeah. can also Oops. i guess play with these and now it's like uh it's well we're about 90 degrees with eighth uh, and then almost a full 180 um we're not quite to 360 but there are they're starting to think more about the game yeah and they should because if people are going to enjoy modeling and painting and buying buying more products the reason that 
they're going to enjoy that for the most part is because they can use them effectively, you know, on the battlefield, even if they don't win all the time or they're not super competitive. Um, like having to buy scouts was one of the worst things I had to do in eighth um, for Dark Angels. You know, seriously. I do I love them, though. I love them so much. Well, I love mine now, <laughs> but that's only because I like just accidentally put like a ton of time into them. <laughs> Wait for my full army of nothing but scouts. Uh, I'm not a big fan, but you know, that's not the only <laughs> filler unit. So there's lots of units out there that you think about that people had to buy just to fill space. Um, and it's unfortunate because scouts from playing with them so much suck. They're just not effective. Um, except for against Imperial guard. <laughs> I was gonna say if you're gonna if you're gonna get a unit that you're just buying to kill them, you might as well just play Imperial Guard. <laughs> or Tyranids. <laughs> or Tyranids. <laughs> Sorry, Luke. Uh, yeah, but it's cool. And that's a you know, I'm very excited about this edition. I think um it's gonna be a good one. Um Well the one rule that like I could not get my head around and I was absolutely mad about, and I, I vented this to you and I think you had a different view of it, but now I have a much different view of it hmm. now that we've gotten through this. And I, I still feel like it's not a real rule, but I, I know it is. I know what you're about to say. <laughs> and as a, as a painter, as someone who, who takes a lot of pride in painting their army, it still hurts me. <laughs> and it's, it's the, you get something like 10, victory points yeah just for coming to the table with a fully painted army yeah battle ready so, at least yeah so to me coming out of that it's like all right gw just wants to sell paint like that's my first angry oh, thought but then making that a real rule then segues into well in order to be good at the meta you're either going to find a way around this or you're gonna have to paint your army mm. which then makes the game better because a fully painted game is 10 times more enjoyable. So if you yeah. make it mandatory that the game is that much more enjoyable already, it feels more like they're investing in the game and the enjoyability of it than yeah. investing in paint. I think that's more, and we talked about this I per, on a personal level, but for uh, listeners, I think it's more about really them trying to get into the tournament scene. Um, it just feels like that um, because Think about it, Corey. I mean, if we play a game together and we're testing a unit and, you know, it's not painted, we're going to ignore that rule. <laughs> if we're playing fairly, honestly, I'm not going to be like, like, say you show up and you have this second huge unit of Sanguinary Guard and we're playing a mission and I'm like, oh, well, I kind of automatically win because I already have 10, you know, I'm... Mm. I'm going to be like, we'll just negate that 10 extra and we'll just play it out so you can test it. So it really only feels like when you show up in public with strangers and you play, which when does that usually happen? Um, tournaments. So, yeah. Um, I just think they're kind of setting themselves up for a more successful tournament run, um, or to take over some of the United States tournaments. Well, if you think about like, if you think about the point of like clarifying the rules alone, took out a lot of players 
or made players get better at it because those people who were vaguely sidestepping rules have a little less leeway now. So now if you think about the people who are coming into you can't games really not cheat as much. Yeah, so I don't I don't play tournaments yet. Uh, yeah. I'm working on it. LBO. If people come in with great plastic <laughs> on a table at like one of these tournaments, I don't know if that's allowed, but if it is now, it won't be it might still be allowed, but it won't be smart, you know? Yeah. I can't just go buy a night, put it together at the tournament and throw it down on the table. Right. I have to go get it painted or that's else I'm already I think. not going to win. I think that's, you know, kind of what they're getting at is like two hours before a tournament you shouldn't shouldn't be like assembling a night to throw in your roster because all of a sudden you realize you're playing against a lot of like i don't know like tank armies i guess i don't know but uh, you can't just construct a unit and put it in your roster right before the tournament um anymore which is i don't I don't think a lot of like serious players do that. Like you're not going to see that at OVO, you know, um, mm-hmm. people do paint their units like the night before <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> but, um, that's the night before. And in all honesty, you can do whatever you want the night before, as long as it shows up and is painted, I guess. So, and, uh, legal under the United States law. Yeah. Or GW law. um so another rule that i was talking about with some other people is that's also a pretty big change is you can't stack negatives onto wound or to hit rolls anymore oh it's insane super impactful (laughs) you know i had to reread that twice because i was like is this already a rule did i miss this in the book oh you can stack right now um so let me find the rule. That's just what I'm looking for right now. Um, it's in, I think it first pops up in the shooting. I think uh, it's in the making attacks area. Making because I kind of want to. Which is shooting yep. phase? Is it the shooting phase? All right. So if you don't know the rule, uh, rule, here we go. Here's the so first off, it's in the making attacks section on page 18, and they start off with a bunch of. You know, shit. We'll, we won't get into it. But basically it says, a hit roll can never be modified by more than minus one or plus one. If it goes above that, it's changed back down to one. And then you have a little further down, a wound roll can never be modified more than minus one or plus one. This is huge. Um, I at least think that's a very big change. Um I used to try, you know, psychic powers in addition to, like, minus ones to hit uh, in general. Um, I just think it'll... I'm already thinking about it, and I'm like... Yeah, right. Wow, that does a lot. So, like, you know, if you have a psyker, and what you would normally... Say you have a unit who... Standard... So, let's talk Eldar, because they have that. So, you have a wave serpent. And you have a psychic ability that gives you another minus one to hit for like a full turn. So the wave serpent already gets a minus one from ranged weapons. So, you know, you'd see wave serpents running around at like minus three, minus four. That can't happen anymore. So now you have to think like you have this wave serpent. It already has a minus 
one built in. So where do I target, you know, even just a wave serpent and one psyker. Well, now where do you, you know, what power do you use? Where do you put it? Um, I think you're going to see that those minus ones will then blanket to the whole army. If that's what you're going for. Um, and you have that ability because you can't put, you can't stack them anymore. So if one unit has a minus one or a plus one, you might as well give that to another unit, you know, or do something else. So, um, well, the interesting, the interesting way I read it and, and correct me if you think this is different and I'd, I'd love to get your viewpoint on it. It's not that they don't stack. It's that what your ultimate number comes out to can't be any higher than plus one or minus one. So like if you, but that means they don't stack. I just mean like if you have like three buffs on your thing and that someone's trying to debuff you, whatever it comes out to in the end result has to be plus one or minus one, which might be a waste of your time in the long run. But I'm just picturing in but my mind like a little give me a more, tug of war to get that plus one. Nah, I'm not seeing it that way because a lot of units have a plus or minus one kind of built in to what they can do or the aura that their supplementary characters give them. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really seeing that. Um, I think what it'll affect the most is when you really try to like, you know, so now you can only get, does that include cover? I guess is my question. That's a good question. Um, the cover rules are not currently in this pamphlet. So I guess we'll find out. Well, your cover is a save. So these are only in hit rolls well, yeah. and wound rolls. So, that does not affect my my reading of and see this is how clear it is <laughs> um that's only talking about to hit into wound rolls so um that's totally different for cover so if you have a you know plus one save and then you have cover it adds it's a cumulative with your save still that's consistent with eighth mm-hmm. so but well, I mean, on that, sorry, go on. Go no, on. no. Uh, hand-to-hand with that, which is, like, on the same page, and I'm sure there's, like, Dungeons & Dragons fans and nerds just clamoring about this one, because I am, is the, if you roll a natural six, it's always a hit, no matter what. Yeah. The plus and minus is. always a fail. Yeah, and it's, yeah. It, it, it's exactly this that you're talking about, where it's, it's a lot of little things or like mm. a few little things that you don't, they don't jump out at you right away. You're no. like, Oh, they didn't change anything. And then you see well, one yeah, rule yeah. like this and you're and, like, that changes everything. Right. And before you go on to your point here, just to interject mm-hmm. to that is how it feels when you read through it. If you know eighth and you read through the ninth rules, you're like, oh, okay, it's the same game. But then you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, um it's just that one sentence you hit like a sentence and then yeah. you're like no but that oh, reworks wait. everything i just read <laughs> right yeah. it might be um, the same rules but then there's one rule that changes every other rule and the way you look at it you're taking a big sidestep you know mm-hmm. um and that's another thing what i really and here's a point to that too the coherent they even talked about actual coherency and how you're penalized for not following it so measure your goddamn models in ninth because um 
I want to do like a, like a search on that PDF and see how many times they use the word coherency because it's Too like many. if you move out, you're breaking coherency. You can't break like they say or engagement it like range. once a section. <laughs> engagement range, and, yeah. I think um, I've read that word like a thousand times today. Yeah, definitely. So psychers too. Um, another big change um, is you can't cast the same power except for smite more than once per psychic phase that's going to drill a hard line in heavy psyker armies like thousand suns oh some eldar not my harlequins but <laughs> mm-hmm. um and for those of you who are still listening so i just have to kind of talk about because i'm pumped about it so i bought a bunch of Harle- harlequins Corey's gonna pay him and we're basically going to have like a podcast army, but I have been wanting to play Har- Harlequins for so long and never wanted to paint, paint them. So Corey volunteered and <laughs> that, was, that was it. So <laughs> Well, that goes on to our uh, get my wife to play the game thing, because we were reading through White Dwarf and she found the page with the Harlequins and she's just like, that's not your game. I'm like, yeah, it is. She's like, that looks nothing like your guys. Your guys are boring looking. These guys look awesome. And I even brought up like Tau the other day. I was like, well, what do you think of these guys? You're not allowed to like them. And she goes, I don't. They look stupid. <laughs> They're not those Harlequin guys. Those guys look cool. And I'm like, oh, well, at man. least you're set in your way. And then I let her know that I was painting all of yours. I was like, that's good because there's going to be a lot of them around here for a little bit. <laughs> there's going to be um, like 10 to 13 packages coming in. in I'm week. just bl- <laughs> blissfully ignorant of what's showing up in my apartment door. It's pretty awesome. I haven't told yeah. you anything um (laughs) (laughs) so um but yeah so psychic phases are gonna be very different um well they won't be very different but that's gonna be a change like a little nuance as the theme of this episode is you know these little nuances are creating a completely different game so um that's one not being able to cast the same power twice that kind of it's tough. I didn't know that was a thing. I've never played a lot of psychers, uh, yeah. blood angels, unless you're playing like librarians a lot in my experience. I know I'm, I'm not the most experienced at that, but I didn't know that was a thing. I thought that was just a normal thing. That's completely different. Yeah. Um, it's going to really, uh, mess up some people's game plans. Um, I feel like GW just took a big dump on everyone who wants to spam units with this. Yes. But thank God, I'm so sick of that. Especially since, you know, you and I have friends who are netless listers who just yeah. look online, look for the best. Like, they kind of like an army, even if it doesn't fit their play style. And they look online, they find a good list, and they buy the units to make that list. And it's just... So, basically, like, Magic the Gathering had this problem where they were doing the net list thing. And I don't know that they still have the problem or not, but I feel like the way they fixed it was with their new formats. And I'm saying new because I played Magic growing up and then I stopped playing and then all of a sudden they came up with all these new rules. And it's it's basically like you can only play like the last three editions of the game in tournament play. So I feel like, well... Games yeah. Workshop would never do that. They're kind of setting the rules so that you can't just pull out a netlist and be good at it. They've nerfed. Like they've kind of made that way around it. They've nerfed net listing 
definitely in these ninth rules. Um, I can't describe right now exactly how, but you know, you just feel it. You feel it. It feels like they've tried to push out those, those or people spamming. Who are just they're at out. least spamming. cutting down on spamming, which spamming <clears throat> is a lot, a huge part of like running a net list, um, just spamming units because they're good. So. Well, spamming also kind of ruins the pl- the game for you. If you show up to like a random thing and playing with someone you don't know, and all of a sudden they have way too many of one unit or all these things, and they just have this this crazy list that does one thing really well, and you just don't have fun when there's like, I don't know, it's just there's yeah. there's a ruin there's a day ruining element to when someone spams the list, and you're just like, well, this isn't fun. This is just you needing to be the best by breaking the rules, right? Or, or breaking rules as intended. Yeah, definitely. Definitely rules as intended. So, um, I guess um, with that, too, um, I'm just looking through the rules right now, trying to find anything we missed. Um, let me throw uh, Let me throw three words at you that I read at the very end, and I was really confused because I had never seen these words. I never saw anybody say anything about them, and I think it's interesting. <laughs> Combat attrition tests. Yeah. Yeah. What about them? That that wasn't a thing before, right? I'm not wrong. Um, let me read the rules. So here we go. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They fixed leadership, finally. <laughs> yeah, they completely just revamped morale tests. I was about to, like, coast through morale tests and be like, cool, I know how this oh, works. Oh, yeah, whatever. And then, the morale phase. Fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, so the rule now is, so what it used to be is you rolled your leadership test. So you rolled a D6 and you added the number of models. So say you rolled a six and you lost five. And so you have an 11. So you compare your D6 roll plus number of models that you lost to your leadership characteristic. So if you have a nine leadership with your 11, you lose two. If you have a 10, you lose one. If you have a seven, you lose four. So what they did now, which actually sucks if you're an Eldar player a little bit. Um, Sorry. Because they have leadership bombs um, that you can, you can run lists that literally are designed to just negate your opponent's leadership. So they lose one model and then they lose six from running away. Mm-hmm. Um, Harlequins have a list like that. Um, but anyways, um, so instead of that, what they're doing now is you if you fail your leadership, you lose a model. Just one model. But then you have to roll a D6 for every other model in the unit. And whichever one of those you fail, that's who runs away. I actually think it's better this way. It's interesting. It's like a it's a reverse overwatch style yeah. of rolling it's if you get ones for every one you roll you have to remove one unit well yeah i or mean i meant model, reverse over, one model yeah one model one model sorry i read so much jargon today that i you'd think i wouldn't make that mistake <laughs> you're burnt out <laughs> um incoherency okay, checks screamed it all out <laughs> incoherency checks are a part of the morale phase now too so that's crazy they're really making people be unit coherent so it's tighter that just shows that they're getting tighter with their well that's exactly and they've clarified it in the way that 
every phase is no longer like movement phase where it's you have the okay but at the end of movement phase you can bring in troops and it's like but when is that how do i know right. when that point is and how they've kind of made like the movement phase into two big phases it's like you move and then it's the reinforcement phase of the movement phase or like yeah. the morale test there's the morale test there's the combat attrition te- uh, tests and then there's the coherency checks which is all the morale phase all at mm-hmm. one but they have a specific place for everything right. i think they got tired of like answering questions and they're like we're gonna make this foolproof uh, i think it's more in other games that stuff's spelled out for you when you do things and it's mm-hmm. just been so vague for so long that finally they're like all right we need a tighter system you do this in this phase and that's all that you do it in and that's when you have to worry about it and then you move on it makes the game also once you learn these rules it'll flow much better like much, so much smoother better. Yeah, so um, the only other, I think, rule we haven't really talked about that's a major, well, minor technically, but that will have major implications um, that's in the rule set um, is the Overwatch rule. So you have mm-hmm. to spend a CP now to Overwatch, unless you're Tau, basically. So it is what it is. I think it's better. Um it's going to make the game more fun. Yeah. Well, it, for close combat armies, you don't have to fucking worry about getting wiped out all the time for every unit you charge. Um, you can declare a charge and pretty much, you know, especially in later on in the game, you're, you're, and this is why the Blood Angels might do very well in this edition because they don't usually charge till turn three or four when most likely your opponent's going to be very low on command points. So um, it's a lot. It's good. I think it's a good change. Uh, it's a much needed one. I think getting overwatch every single time you charge it from a very like superficial standpoint, it just takes up so much time um, oh, yeah. when you're playing. So Especially when you're playing like Tau and they're like, oh, cool, you're going to do overwatch. I have 20 shots. Hold on. Well, that'll still happen. But um, exactly. But when you're not playing Tau, just playing, you know, IG or something that's not as good at Overwatch, but still has a ton of guns, it's like I don't have to worry about a Tyranid blob getting wiped off by a bunch of guardsmen before I even make it into a charge. So There's nothing more heartbreaking than dropping a Sanguinary Guard just in the center of a field and looking at your opponent and being like, cool, I'm going to charge in now. Mm. and like you just you have this moment where like the drums are playing like the drums of war are hitting and you're stoked and you're just like i'm coming in i'm taking your women and i'm taking your children and they're like <laughs> goodbye they're like uh no hold on i gotta overwatch real quick and oh, then, wait, six of them yeah so it's either like all right here's 20 minutes of you rolling overwatch that is now gone or that moment you have of watching your entire reinforcement disappear and being like well there goes my plan yeah or 300 points exactly (laughs) so exactly yeah unless they even hmm? unless what unless what well i was just gonna say so from a dark angels perspective um terminators so i charge with my um deathwing knights i infiltrate and then usually successfully make my charge because i usually command reroll if i don't so pretty much they're in combat by turn two um in eighth and 
they're just tough. I don't know. I've never had a problem with Overwatch for those guys. Um, but the two up, two up, three up invuln. <laughs> you know, and if I lose one or two, and they have two two wounds apiece or three two i think um and if i lose one i'm still hitting with some of the best close combat weapons in the game um strength deck uh i don't want to get too to do into the dark angels two number yeah but they're well, good death they death cleaned up are good with all that they cleaned up the uh the charge rules too it's another rule yeah. we, we might have accidentally glossed over but on the overwatch side if you're you're using your overwatch stratagem now, you can't, for every unit that's declared, you can only choose one unit to overwatch with. You can't shoot everybody, which was one problem because there's just so many guns. But then on the other side was the problem of people who were like, and they, you're taught to do this when you're playing 8th edition. Like They literally have a video on it on mini wargaming where they're like, if you're going to charge, select everybody. And then if you fail them, at least you can get in on this guy. And then work your way in. And it's like they got rid of that rule now where yeah. if you're going to charge, go ahead and select everybody. But if you fail... You're better off selecting one unit. Just one. Nine, yeah. Yeah. Because if you fail now, you can't get in. It, you it's, don't get into It's not like anyone. you can't fail up yeah. to getting into the closest guy. Yeah. So if, you know... You so have they clean that up. That's one of those like rule yeah. balonies. That's very clean. So I just want to give an example. So if you are charging a unit that's eight inches away... But the reason why you're charging them, it's not really to charge them, but to charge the unit that's 11 inches away. And, you know, it's an easier roll. If you declare both and you don't roll a 10, you're fucked. You don't get to charge either. So I like it. I really like that. Yeah. Um, again, a lot of these nuances kind of just hark back to a cleaner form of gameplay, I think. So the decisions you make as a tactician commanding your army are a lot more important than some of the broken mechanics themselves. Like the game's tighter, it's cleaner, it you know when to do certain things. So what that does, in my opinion, is leaves really open the room for you to excel at being good at commanding your own army. Um, which is how it should have been nine yeah. editions ago. <laughs> you know? It's more about like gamesmanship than it is being yeah. smarter than the game. Right. It's not outplaying the game. It's not grabbing a game shark and downloading every Pokemon, you know, <laughs> for example, there's no, but, there's no rosebud rules here. Right. It's the game system is tighter. So, that makes you more responsible for your decisions rather than trying to outsmart the game. You've got to be smart playing the game, which are two totally, I think two totally different things. So yeah, you yeah. agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd agree with that a hundred percent. I think it's, it's a, it's a goodbye to eighth edition and it's a hello mm. to Warhammer the game. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I agree. Um, it's cool, too, because I guess one good thing about this quarantine is it was a <laughs> ton of time to paint. So now, you know, I'm ready for ninth. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty cool. Oh, Actually, not quite ready. I still have a few more units in the rosters I want to try out, but 
Um, when I eventually climb out of my mountain of shame that I've amassed in the last two weeks, mm. we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, how many points do you have painted for dark angels? And do you uh, think what? you'll play them in ninth is another great question. I think you should, but I think the way I have my list built right now works well for what ninth has given me. Mm. Um, cause there's the financial side of it is of like, right. I haven't been playing for a very long time, so I don't have a hundred thousand units to just start pulling from. I was but just kind of buying there. things to fill lists. Yeah, I'm getting there. I'm definitely getting there. And in this last quarantine, I've bought so many things that it's just, <laughs> I'll find it on eBay and then it'll be at my door in like two days. Um, <laughs> but a lot of my list was what did I have? How can I make it work for me in the way I want it to work? So it was kind of more of a necessity to make what I have work. And now that it's yeah. built that way, cause I have tanks, like they told you not to take tanks before. And I had just two tanks in there and I was like, I don't need all of these, but I'm going to take them cause it gives me points and lets me fill 2000 yeah. points. I've seen blood angels rosters with tanks that See, work and that's, really well. And I'm, I'm still learning that. So I'm like, I didn't think it would be good. And now all of a sudden I'm like, no, this, and now I'm thinking about the rules and I'm thinking about pushing people up the board and, and clearing it for my big guys to come in and clean things up. And I'm getting stoked because I'm like, I kind of tripped into a, what I think is going to be an okay list. And they're all painted because of quarantine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I think one of the things about the game is, um, for those of you who are new, give yourself, you know, it's so hard because when you get into it, especially when you have a fully painted army and maybe you haven't played that many games, you feel like you should be better than you are. Um, there's a few moments over at least my history playing 40 K where things just click and you'll have those little moments, the more that you play. And so the best thing you can do as a newer player or someone who's not confident enough to play competitively, maybe is just, you know, a go play competitively, but you know, most people in the community are really nice. Even if they, you know, beat you by a million points, those, just you know when you start the game with them be like hey i'm relatively new trying this out i'm still working out the mechanics you know you're not asking them to go easy on you but what you're saying is you know hey like anything i can learn from you i appreciate and that's the way i think as a player you should approach your games even if you're experienced if you don't learn something about the game it's just such an intense game Mm -hmm. that you're pretty much always get to learn something you know <laughs> about how you could have played better or maybe you shouldn't have moved this unit um the only people in the world who have like perfect games are probably like the top five perfect yeah. games every games are like the top five in the world meaning like the top five of lvo so that's almost nobody <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> so, i think it's it's true more now than it ever is yeah. than it's ever been to if you're getting into the game don't buy what's good because nothing's good right now buy right, what yeah. you like and what appeals to you because if you pick if hypothetically they figure out what works good and you just buy that you're just going to play good and you don't play and they will what you think that's the problem yeah. too yeah if you buy what you don't awesome. yeah if you buy things that you think look cool to you and make you happy 
and you go out there on the table and you take something someone's like not expecting or thinking that doesn't work well, mm. you're either going to get wiped off the table, which is not great, but you know what? You played the game and that's what we're here for. Right. Or you do something no one expected and you change the meta right? just because you picked what you liked. And here's another thing. We're, since we're at an additional release and it just kind of needs to be said, this was only three years that eighth existed and now we're in ninth edition changes, meta changes. They're con they're constantly happening. So, you know, I think I'm very kind of hard on this point. You should play an army you love. Um, you spend so much time painting it or adding new units to it. Once you get most of it painted it just feels like a waste of a lot of the hobby if you're not actually kind of like in love with the lore of your army or the way it looks or the style of painting even that you choose when you choose to paint it. So um, that's why meta chasing just such a short, it comes from, I think um, magic and video games and Mm -hmm. Um, unfortunately it is applicable to 40 K, but I don't think as an average or even good player, it should affect your decisions, decision making. Um, because even if you're good and you win, even if you win, you know, a lot of tournaments, unless you're like top, like I said, like top five, like it's not going to matter. Like, so all these things still apply. Um, if you're if you're top ten in the world in 40k, and you do spam lists and you whatever, I'm less concerned about that because you probably know why you're doing them. You probably figured out the spamming units yourself <laughs> without reading like a net list because you mm-hmm. are the foundation of net lists. So. <laughs> Um, they're just, they're impressive people and I give them all the credit in the world, those top players competitively, but, um, I'm not saying you can't make it there, you know, chase your dreams, all you dreams, all you want, but those guys also appreciate the hobby, you know, they do. So, um, and they're the ones pick. Yeah. Sorry. if, If you pick an army that you truly love and like you fall in love with what you pick or you're really into it. You might lose a lot of games, hmm. but you're going to have a really hard time feeling like you lost those games. And here, here's the thing, too. You're going to get better. Everyone does. Um, it's just Warhammer's not like you made that sports analogy earlier. Warhammer's not just a game that you pick up and play and are good at. Like, say you're really good at first-person shooters. You could probably pick up most and be good at them it's something that just takes time. It's just such a unique way to think about a game. Um, it's totally different than, you know, even other, um, you know, war games out there. So it just takes time and give yourself that time. And the best thing you can do is by practicing, um, painting, you know, battling, um, that's, you know, the fundamentals <laughs> fundamentals 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 yeah and um on that note um i think you know we kind of just 
our whole purpose here is just kind of talk. So about ninth, um, we're going to have a much more polished episode once Corey and I have had the book for like a month and we've been able to play. Um, mm. Actually, uh, yeah, never mind. I, I'll ask you later. Um, <laughs> but um, so, you know, expect that from us. Um, but I think this is a good place to end um, again. Uh, you know, thank you so much for listening. Um, we're a growing podcast and honestly, you know, Corey, you can back me up here. We appreciate every listener that we get right now and forever, but, um, our community is small right now. So again, we encourage you to please reach out to us. It's, we, we don't have anything going on, going on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but we really are appreciative of everyone who just even takes a listen to our podcast. So um, I hope you like the different format. If you didn't, you know, email us, tell us. Um, we just want more participation and we welcome it. And, you know, if you have something to say, we're not the kind of guys who you email us and you're like, hey, I really want to be on. I even have kind of a vague idea for this episode. We're not going to be like, oh, who the hell is this person? We'll be like, oh, cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll record in a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing uh, lunchtime later today? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, again, uh, we just want to thank you um, from Foxtrot Battle Line, bottom of our hearts. Um, we love this game and we just, you know, we really want to build a community here. So engage with us. Um, and if you have any recommendations for content that you'd like to see on some of our social media platforms. That's also, you know, let us know. Um, any opinion is a good one. Um, as long yeah. as it's constructive, <laughs> but I think honestly we need like a really great sign off phrase and we haven't figured it out yet. So if you have one, and I, I think a lot of people who listen to us now are on our Instagrams. We need Please like, let uh, us know. Marketing. You know, a lot of podcasts have like, like uh, we were just listening. I just introduced Corey to uh, the Battle Host, who, you know, shout out to them. They're a great podcast. I love listening to those guys. Um, they're out of the mid Midwest. So, but they have like, be a better gamer build a better community (laughs) (laughs) so um we need something like that so help (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah so i loved uh the format of this episode so i think without that we'll get you back to your days um next up on yeah cory you want to say like your thanks or anything i think i'm doing good i think uh i'm just happy to be here and thank you for letting me scream all of the thoughts i had in my mind uh i thank you my cat (laughs) thanks you and my wife thanks you i'm a dog person (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah you're very welcome and uh cory and i's like co-host relationship happened very organically and remotely during this time. So, uh, kind of a random, uh, good thing. So, um, but anyways, uh, follow us, uh, Foxtrot battle line five, one, nine, eight, actually 
I just change it. It's just, f oh no, never mind. I'm confusing other things. I'm going to cut this out. But, anyways, <laughs> um, so thank you for joining us. Uh, follow us at Foxtrot Battle Line 5198. Uh, email us. Please email us. Engage with us, please, um, at foxtrotbattleline at gmail.com, as well as look out for the new website at foxtrotbattleline.com. And uh, with that, I'll leave you to your night.